Martha takes us, God, Martha talks to us all about the plan. Martha talks to us all about the planning that went into the whole, oh my God. What is wrong? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Geek and Review, the podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal industry. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. Well, Marlene, I just got back from the Legal Value Network Experience or the LVNX conference in Chicago. And man, I I just had a lot of fun catching up with a number of old friends and colleagues who I haven't seen in a, in a few years for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why, why we haven't <laughs> hung out. So, but, uh, but it was great hanging out and, you know, really listening to these folks that are in legal operations and, and pricing and LPM. I think they just really have their finger on the pulse of, of what's driving change in, in the legal industry, you know, especially from, from the expectation from the, the client side and the firm side on, on how these matters are, are managed. It was, it was really fun. It's always nice to hear from the clients and how they perceive things. I think that's extraordinarily helpful. Yeah. So while I was there, I also did some recording of our crystal ball questions, and I handed out some of our Geek and Review stickers. I have some stickers. Uh, uh, Listeners, reach out to me and let me know if you want one. Yeah, well, you certainly did better than I did on the recording and the sticker handout. <laughs> um, I uh, I unfortunately had had a bit of a fail on both of those things when I was at ILTA, but uh, I, I I vow to do better next time. Uh, well, it's a it's a learning experience. That's right? it. It's, it was a yeah. learning experience. Like, do not put all your stickers in one purse. Is is really what the <laughs> learning experience is, and make sure you check your levels well before you do recording. <laughs> that, that's just a good life lesson all the way it's around. True. So, it really yeah. is true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. So this week we bring in Martha Briol from Cooley. She's the co-chair for the 2022 ILTACON, which was held in National Harbor. Martha talks to us about all the planning that went into holding a post-COVID conference and what to do when a conference sells out, as Iltacon did this year. So first up, we have Kate Boyd, who recently went over to Sente Advisors to work with our friend Ryan McLeod. And we got her to sit down with me while I was at LVNX and answer our crystal ball question. Now, Marlene, you had interviewed Kate <laughs> at Iltacon. A for effort. <laughs> but uh, you know, we found out that the, the audio wasn't, wasn't quite up to snuff. So um, although Kate uh, kind of fought me on it, I finally got her to sit down and re-record her answer. So Thank you, we're gonna, Kate. Yeah, thanks, Kate. So we're going to listen to Kate's answer, and then we're going to jump right into our discussion with Martha Brio. Hi, this is Kate Boyd. I'm with Sente Advisors. In the next three to five years, I think we're going to have a new generation of professionals entering and and moving up the ranks in the legal profession. And I think they will have survived and thrived in a different environment that is much more focused on clients. What do clients need? How do we create kind of teamwork? And how are we very pragmatic about how we solve problems together? And I think that's I think that's going to create new ranks of professionals uh, in the legal industry, and some new opportunities for people to to step forward and have fulfilling careers. 
Now, are these going to be people that are new to the industry, or is there going to be some type of revamping of the industry? Good question. I imagine it's going to be a little bit of both. I think there's a lot of people that are circling around the industry in different roles who are going to be stepping forward. Um, and then I think there's going to be blurring of lines between industries. Um, I think we're going to see people coming from financial arenas, accounting, stepping in and, and really thriving, maybe even other tech industries and thriving in legal in ways that they, they don't even know yet. Well, Kate, thank you very much. Thank you. We'd like to welcome Martha Briel, Legal Service Delivery Manager for Cooley LLP and co-chair for ILTACON, which was recently held at National Harbor. Martha, welcome to the Geek and Review. Thanks, Marlene. I'm glad to be here. So, Martha, this was, I believe, your second year as the ILTACON uh, co-chair. So you handled, really, you handled both of the coming back from COVID meetings that ILTA has held. First of all, I want to I ask you how stressful, personally, was dealing with the issues of holding an in-person conference in the era of, of COVID? It was pretty stressful, and I, I kind of think I was crazy to volunteer for it in the first place, uh, but somebody <laughs> needed to do it, and really, I'd been a long-term volunteer with ILTA and, and for ILTACON in the past. It's a great organization, as I'm sure we all know, so I wanted to do my part to try to help it maintain itself through the pandemic, and I'm not overstating that. For those of you who don't know, trying to keep a nonprofit up and running is no small feat in and of itself. And then you add a pandemic, which pretty much kills your cash cow, the, the large conference annually that you've been doing for years and years, and uh, you're in pretty dire straits financially. So somebody needed to step up and do it. I thought I could do a good job. In relation to the stress, it was stressful, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it's, well, we're doing what we can to make this work, and we're just going to be adaptable and flexible and try our best and not get too wrapped up in the drama. And for the most part, it didn't keep me up at night, which is a good a good thing. We went forward, and I it was successful both years. I think it was a smashing success this year, and of course I'm biased, but but this year was more fun than it was stress. Uh, last year was an equal balance of stress yeah. and fun, um, but uh, largely speaking, both conferences were successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you just from my time there, and I, I wasn't even there for the whole time, I mean, people were just so happy to see one another. I mean, you, you could just, it was just palpable in the air. Just, just everybody was just really, really in, in, in good spirits. Yeah. And this year it was completely in person, right? There was no hybrid conference. Correct. It was completely in person. Yeah. Everybody was just delighted. Uh, I didn't realize how many friends I had um, through ILTA and uh, at the conference, but I went with uh, four uh, new colleagues who had never, Cooley colleagues who had never been to an ILTACon before. And like, just, I couldn't even get through like the hallway to get to my room. <laughs> and they're like, forget it. We're done. We're going to bed. <laughs> let us know when you, let us know when you finally get through, like just talking to people and reminiscing and just seeing faces. And it's so special after the last two and a half years. It was great. It's always fun to be there, but this year was particularly special just to see everybody. The things that we used to take for granted, we mm -hmm. don't yet take them for granted anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Now, you, you were saying how hard it is to kind of keep a nonprofit afloat and that, you know, the conference is really the, the big moneymaker for the organization. Well, the 2022 conference was officially sold out. How excited were you when you realized how much the ILTA membership embraced coming back to the in-person conferences? Uh, quite excited. In fact, I think that <laughs> might have been my most excited moment. I really like, did I hear right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was creeping up, but for it, the massive registration happened in it really in the last three weeks before the registration deadline and then extended after it yeah. until literally, like you said, Marlene, it was at capacity. We couldn't let any more people in. We'd we would have loved to, but we were beyond fire codes, and and you you can't really mess with that because can't mess uh, with the fire codes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. That would be a bad way to re- restart Iltacon post pandemic. Yeah. But joking aside, yeah, I was pretty excited, and um, we knew it was good. But um, within the last week, it went through the roof, and I was delighted. A lot of people put a lot of hard work into this. Volunteers, the Ilta staff. Ilta's been working with probably half the staff that they ideally need to pull something like this off. So just having it be this successful was just so rewarding and and just made me very happy because these are my friends as well as my colleagues. Right. And I know that you are obviously a volunteer for this. How was it being, or how were the other volunteers handling this, uh, the stress of this as well? How much did you get to rely upon the, the team of volunteers? Very, very, very much. We had a fantastic team of volunteers, which makes my life and uh, my co-chairs very much (laughs) easier than it would be otherwise. Yeah, most of our, um, we call them team coordinators, they lead the session planning committee um, and each are uh, signed in their, you know, area of subject matter expertise to a team of about six coordinators who they are responsible for organizing and managing, and they put together collectively the session content. The um, team leads, we call them the team coordinators, they were fantastic. They, for the most part, they took care of most of the um, incidental things, so it wasn't a problem when it did get to myself and my co-chair, Scott David. It was things that we needed to intercede on. Um, it wasn't the the day-to-day stuff. They, they handled that, so we didn't have to, and that was a huge blessing. The team was fantastic. This Something this large certainly is not um, attributable to any particular individual. I played a role, um, Scott played a role, but if the team that was uh, supporting us didn't play their part, we wouldn't have been able to pull Iltacon off. So it was a fantastic team. You know, I was blessed to work with them and I'm, I'm hoping at some point in the future, I'll get to work with them again in some capacity. Now the, the fire, we mentioned that you were capped out uh, with the uh, the number of people that could actually register and attend by the fire code, were those at normal pre-pandemic numbers, or did the pandemic lower the the number of uh, attendees that you were allowed to to bring in? A little bit of both. The pandemic uh, limited the selections that we made on space. For the opening reception, particularly, um, we could have had a larger space had we imagined that we would have that many people in January, but there was no way. That would have been a very, very bad strategic bet on the part of IltaCon, because once you commit, you sign a contract and you're obligated um, to pay for the space. So they couldn't make that commitment in January, and they didn't have any flexibility later um, when we realized that we were at where we were. 
but also though I believe my stats are right here. This was the third most well attended Iltacon ever. Wow. And I think it's I think there have been maybe about thirty-five to forty at this point, depending on when you start counting really Iltacon and the, you know, the earlier iterations of it. So it was a well attended conference by any standards. The only conference that was actually sold out. Now I'm pretty sure these are that's a correct stat. It's the yeah. third most well attended conference. We we had to cap it at twenty nine five, so about three thousand people. That's that's great attendance. So that's wonderful attendance. Of course, you know the attendees are a large part of the conference experience, but also the vendors are another large part of the conference experience as well. And so how did the vendors handle the conference this year? Were there were there any unforeseen challenges or, or even successes that you found on the vendor side of things? More successes this year than challenges. They were great at supporting, like the, there's different membership levels. Um, they were great at signing up for membership levels. Um, they were great about trying to get space in the exhibit hall. So we had no problem filling that. And we might have had a couple of <laughs> a couple of tense moments on who gets what spot, yeah. but luckily I don't have to deal with that. They were out in full force. And the other nice thing that I heard from a number of um, vendors, and we also call them business partners, was the people who have been going to Iltacon for as long as I have, which is about a decade now, who are on the business partner uh, side were saying, you know, this in, in unsolicited in my, my part, they were just coming up to me and saying, look, this is the first conference when we have felt like we're completely first class citizens. We're not being treated any differently than any other ILTA or ILTACON attendee or member. And that means a lot. And it's been a long time coming. So I heard more of that than what I'm sure did happen, which was, you know, some, I'm sure there were complaints from everybody, right? You never hold anything this large without somebody having some legitimate or maybe illegitimate, who knows, some <laughs> issue, some complaint. <laughs> yeah. That's just the nature of human Depending beings, on who you right? talk to, yes. <laughs> right, exactly, 100%. So I'm sure there were complaints. I honestly can say I didn't hear any from members or business partners, aside from something incidental, like we didn't have enough food at the closing reception. Okay, yeah, duly noted. <laughs> there wasn't enough food. But, you know, if that's the, if that's the only complaint I heard in the whole time I was there, I'm going to consider that a massive win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to, I, I wasn't able to go to ILTA. I went to the uh, AAAL conference uh, earlier in the summer. And I think one of the comments that was made about the vendors, because typically there's some type of rollout or announcement or, you know, there's some launch uh, that vendors use that occasion to, to do. But I think, and, and I don't even know if this is a pandemic issue, but I think we've seen less and less of that as vendors have done these more iterative uh, rollouts of, of upgrades. Was there any, uh, and you don't have to give specific names, but were the vendors using this to make major announcements or, or launch products there at Iltica? 
I don't believe so. Uh, and it's interesting when you ask me that question, I, was like, I don't know of any, uh, yeah. there may have it's been, not just you. but it's- <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, but no, and certainly not in like grand fashion. I would have known about that, but no, I I've gotten so many emails. I couldn't keep up with all of them, but I, I, I scanned most of them prior to the conference from the different vendors. And I don't remember anything about like massive new release and changes. I know, Westlaw and Lexus are introducing some new, pretty new functionality in their platforms. But as far as I know, they weren't using ILTA as the place to uh, announce that in any grand fashion. Okay. But yeah, they certainly I think, were, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I was going to say, I think that that's kind of the, the, the new normal to, to use that phrase, but I think that's, that's an old style of launch and I think now that they're they're pretty much using their own internal methods rather than waiting for these uh, the conferences, um, yeah, conferences to do so. There's, there's, I just wonder if upgrades now. I mean, you that, know. that's true. But I, I just wonder if there's something that, as associations look to how we adapt going forward, if there are incentives that uh, that, that might be out there. Just just me thinking out loud now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And I think it might be something the folks planning for the future Viltacon should consider because there's an opportunity there for sure. You get that many people in person and you get potentially the right people like the C-level folks who are there for the G100 and the G200. And you have like the audience that you probably want to reach at some level, not, you know, the weeds level, but on the strategic, um, the strategic changes to the platforms the CIOs care the most about, I would think that would be a great opportunity to, to leverage that in conjunction with like the global 100 or global 200. Sorry, I'm using acronyms. Um, they're the, lead, <laughs> the largest law firm leaders um, and that who attend Iltacon. Yeah. Well, speaking of, and I'm, I'm going to hit you with with a question. I, you probably don't have the numbers for international attendees. Uh, hmm. Did you have a lot of international attendees? Oh goodness, I should have gotten the actual stat, I, but yeah, I, I just got you out of left field on that one. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. It's something I'm interested in. It's something we're really been trying to push the international um, reach of Iltacon into both South America and across Europe and Australia and uh, New Zealand as well. But I don't have I don't have the stats. I can say I know there were two um, people uh, who are Ilta volunteers from Brazil who attended, yep. spoke, and um, one of them was, <laughs> yeah, Barbara and her um, colleague Mariana also was there, and she participated as a volunteer on the ILTACON conference committee and was fantastic. So I know um, there were at least two attendees from Brazil, and I think they had a third colleague there too, but awesome. I, I wouldn't swear to it. And there were there were people from my uh, colleague from the UK uh, came as well. So the international presence were, was there. Um, there certainly were a lot of non American accents, if that's any indication, <laughs> but I know there's a lot of expats here and yeah. all of that. But it, all, but it all was, those Canadians it was, that came down, all those Canadians. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> what are they thinking? <laughs> so, so, but I, I, you know, that would be an interesting follow up. If I can find a stat for you, I'll post it, um, and you can share it in the notes, okay. um, just in case anyone cares. Absolutely. All right. We've been talking about how you and the volunteers and the vendors are, have been very excited about the conference. So what has been the feedback from members post-conference? 
Was there demand for, you know, expanding demand for any specific topics for the next conference or for post-conference educational uh, sessions? The one I've heard the most buzz about uh, was around the Legal Lean Six Sigma workshop that we did on um, Thursday. Uh, It gave you a white belt. And I think the next um, level of belts yellow. So how to continue that uh, between now and the next Ilticon. And we're working with the, I guess, the speaker, the person who headed up the workshop to figure out how to do that between now and next year and potentially extending workshops like that on the Thursday to give people enough reason to like stay Wednesday night and get something a little different out of their attendance at Ilticon. So that's what I've heard the most buzz about in terms of follow-up. And of course, uh, Marlene and I used to volunteer on the other side of ILTA, which is not the conference, but just the recorded content that ILTA provides year-round. And there's always opportunities there to pick up on the themes that are the hottest uh, and then follow up um, the the trend with uh, the virtual um, workshops and uh, whatever media they decide to use, podcasts even, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, and and deliver content that way. But the, the one I've heard the most about is the legal Lean Six Sigma and continuing that kind of offering as we think about more process maturity in the area of law. Yeah, I could, I could see why that's popular. Yeah, I, that, that's very interesting. It's, you know, obviously it's a great topic. And I mean, it's also really smart to have it at the end. Because I can tell you, it was interesting. I was there through through Wednesday, and, and but I talked to people who a lot of folks stayed the whole time. And, you know, oftentimes at conferences, that's not the case. You know, people will, will leave early. And I know somebody who presented in the last session on the last day, and I presented at the last session on Wednesday, and I was very nervous about like, oh, are we going to get enough people? And we got a full house. This person on Thursday got a full house. And I thought that was terrific and really spoke to the fact that people were really, really engaged and, and just wanted to get the most out of it. Yeah, we were really excited about that, too, because it does stink. You put a lot of time and effort, both on the planning side of it and as a speaker, and to have hardly anyone in the audience is is a letdown. And we've been trying for years to really get people to stay that Wednesday night, and and I think we're about at a good a, a good approach to making that happen in a way that adds more value. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the first year for workshops, so I think next year um, it'll be even better. Good, good. So let's talk about your experience uh, at the at the conference. So we we know you you put Not a planning. lot of, of <laughs> yeah a lot of work up front with with the planning and getting things going. I'll ask you what uh, what my wife always asks all the kids when we finish uh, something. It was like, what, you know, what was your favorite part of the conference? So I'm going to ask you that. What what did you enjoy? most about it and let's start with that. Sure. I think I just enjoyed really like seeing, getting the like uh, on stage and for, before the opening keynote and just seeing everybody sitting there was just so powerful. Uh, and that, that I did enjoy, although I would never have thought I would enjoy speaking in front of that many people. Luckily it was short, but nevertheless, it didn't, I wasn't even like really nervous. I was just impressed and just excited to see everybody. And then continuing that, just the inner, like talking to people, 
collaborating, networking um, about challenges at work and sessions, just having the opportunity to connect in person and have real conversations about the challenges and what may work and what may not work that you can't really have in the virtual world. We just, first, we don't have time. There's just too many distractions. And second, you just have a rapport, at least I do. Maybe some people are better at having that rapport virtually. I have a rapport if I'm talking to somebody like a peer from another firm or an organization where you can talk in person and read body language and be a little bit more open and honest and not worry about I don't know, somehow it getting it to the wrong person and offending someone or so forth and so on. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's what I, I just enjoyed that whole experience and, and being able to kind of carry on the conversations for the, for, for the week. I also really enjoyed just meeting the, my peers at my firm who I'd never met in real life, including one of, one of whom actually reports to me, never met her in person until Iltacon, which is crazy. That would be nuts three years ago, but it's, mm-hmm. it's normal now. So those were my kind of most memorable moments. Was there anything, and I think, are you rolling off of the, uh, as one of the chairs for the conference or are you still I am on? done. I'm uh, done. Yeah, I'm officially volunteer retired. I tell everyone. <laughs> so, any any words of wisdom for the uh, the the two souls that are, are going to take the mantle uh, for next year's? Or one, where where is next year's going to be? And what what advice would you give uh, you the folks part? that are taking your place? Oh, uh, so it's going to be in um, Disney in Florida, Orlando, um, at the Swan and Dolphin Resort. And uh, advice, oh, oh goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> Where to start? Words of wisdom. It's too late to well, say no, but. Uh... No, yeah, right, right. Don't do it. What are you thinking? Uh, no, both both uh, my, my co-chair, um, Scott David, he's, he's, he was a great partner all year. And he, yeah, we worked alongside each other. And that's why uh, Iltacon has two chairs, or that's why they call them co-chairs, just because it helps like that first year you're learning and he learned a ton and he was a fantastic partner and um, Rodney Mullins is joining him as his co-chair. Rodney has been on um, the Iltacon planning committee um, leading those teams I mentioned earlier as a team coordinator for probably about five years now. So he's a fantastic person to step in. In terms of advice, you know, there's some logistic advice that would make things smoother. No one cares about that. But just enjoy the experience. Be open to ideas. Listen before you talk. And don't come in with preconceived notions on all things, but allow for possibilities. And I think once you do that, good things happen. Those are good words of wisdom. Yes, well, I hope so. I'm not, don't feel wise. So, you know, <laughs> take it or leave it, everyone. <laughs> All right. So so we have come to the time in the podcast where we ask our guests what we call the crystal ball question. Um, so can you please pull out your crystal ball and peer into the future for us and let us know what you see on the horizon when it comes to ILTACON and other legal conferences in the next three to five years? Well, I'm I'm very very optimistic about uh, conferences in the next five years. I might not have been before the pandemic because there was a lot of chatter and the it there was a, there was a lot of like kind of 
talk about whether or not younger generations saw the point in conferences. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the answer to that now. They do, because there were a number of people emerging in their professional years, and they attended ILTACON this year and made up part of the 3,000 attendees that we had. I think we have an opportunity to continue the, but that potential forward if we approach conference planning correctly and allow for different ways of delivering messages that possibly get away, alternative formats, if you will, that get away from the traditional expert classroom kind of thing and allow for expertise to be more of a shared experience rather than being talked at. Mm -hmm. So I, trying to figure out how to do that effectively in a conference setting is going to be a challenge because a lot of those rooms just aren't logistically set up to do that. But I think if conferences evolve in a way that allows for more of that, there's a real potential for, for draw, continuing to draw people in and having that ex in-person experience and the learning opportunities and the networking opportunities that are important for both an individual's professional development and are also important for uh, organizations to build the best employees they can and ideally to retain them by you know, investing in, in their development and allowing them to actually attend stuff like that to grow and learn. So I think this is a rambling answer, but if that's my, you know, this is my future um, projection for it is I think conferences will do well. I think they do need to sort out how to make them more engaging and effectively offer alternative formats to the like the head table and the speaker thing because I think that wears thin and I think it wears thin faster with people in um, the younger generations. Uh, again, uh, more more words of wisdom. So uh, Martha Brio from Cooley and now the past co-chair of ILTCON. We thank you very much for uh, coming in and take the time to talk to us. Thank you, Martha. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, Marlene. Thanks, Greg. Well, you know, rambles can be nice, and I think this one was a definitely a nice one. Um, yeah. I loved hearing, getting the inside scoop from from Martha about uh, Iltacon and, and all that goes into it. And I also thought it was interesting, she's talking about trying to pivot away from the uh, the panels or, or the talking heads type of thing, because that's actually something that we did in the session that, that I was participating in. Um, that was very much, we were talking, we were walking, we were, you know, asking the audience questions, we were polling them. So a lot of different things going on, um, to keep the audience engaged. And I, I think and hope <laughs> that they really appreciated it. Yeah. And I, th I think she's right in that, you know, especially the, you know, we, the, it was a question that a lot of us were asking before we even heard of a pandemic was the how do we keep the younger members engaged because they have a different experience and different, different expectations mm -hmm. uh, and yeah and learning style for when it comes to conferences it's uh, their approach to educational presentations are you know they they come at a different angle than than mm -hmm. us and so uh, any changes are probably going to be needed <laughs> as we go forward. Because I'm more just wondering, more entertainment, you know, more engagement. Yeah. And I think this, you know, this year, I think people were very hungry to get back in person. Yes, I'm going to be curious to see how things go next year 
and to see whether or not, you know, that type of uh, energy and engagement for this type of in-person conferences is going to continue. I, I hope it does because I enjoy them, um, mm-hmm. but it'd be interesting to see how next year's conferences go as well. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're looking again at, at doing workshops. I think that's um, that's another area where I think I think that that everybody feels that there is a specific sort of value associated with that. And I mean, if you know, in this example that she gave, if you're getting your white belt, I mean, you're you're attending and, and you know you're getting something concrete um, yeah. coming back. So yeah, you're, there's um, there's out you know there's outcomes, there's rewards, right? Um, and uh, and so that's it's definitely something I think people are more excited about those types of programs and just sitting back and, and listening to four people and a moderator. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the beginning of a joke. There was four people and a moderator. <laughs> There's four people and a moderator. Yeah. I, I, well, I've been, I've been, on, I've been on one of those jokes. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I think we've been on a few of those jokes. <laughs> well, thanks again to Martha Briel from Cooley and uh, Ilticon for coming in and sharing her experiences with us. And of course, thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to the Geek and Review podcast. If you enjoy the show, share it with a colleague. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us on social media. I can be found at M on Twitter. And I can be reached at Glambert on Twitter. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7270. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSicca. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene, I will talk to you later. All right, bye-bye.